Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is Force Center, a show about Star Wars, pop culture, and the ultimate adventure, life itself. I'm Ken Napsok. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. And I'm Jennifer Landa. And we are here to take a microscope and a magnifying glass and a one of the, just a, turn our, like, Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes and really investigate the New Republic. That's right. <laughs> the New Republic in this new era of Star Wars storytelling is going to be in our focus here today. We're going to have a lot of fun, perhaps grilling them, perhaps looking for strands of hope within the darkness. It's going to be fun. Before we get to all that, though, I want to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get an uh, audiobook, uh, a free audiobook, a free one. <laughs> 
in my head. And a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash force center. Over 180,000 titles and growing to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player, or any device I'm sure that you have now that I don't even know exists. A little bit later, we'll have our force center recommend an audiobook we think you, yes, you should try out on us. Support the show in the process. We're off and running, Joseph. I'm very excited uh, to uh, turn our Sherlock Holmes around. I know exactly what you mean. Sure, uh, you're talking about the, his his deer stalker cap, I believe. Uh, but I I think it's better without the details. I think yeah. just uh, let's turn our Sherlock Holmes around. Turn him around. <laughs> turn him around. Soon, all the kids are going to be saying it on social media. It's a great turn of phrase. I'm very excited for this topic. You don't need all the words. You don't need all the words. Nah, nah. <laughs> Podcast going to be much shorter now. We don't need all the words. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I'm choking <laughs> on my breakfast. What a lot. And you know what? This is why I love we have video now. Now you can see that I'm literally muting my mic and drinking water because I had an, Eng uh, uh, an English muffin for breakfast and, and it's still in my throat. What a day. What a day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're here a little bit later. Uh, we're going to have our force center ask. Stay tuned for that. Where's my end crew show uh, uh, friends there? Uh, we are going to have a special kind of uh, new goal and announcement. Uh, at the ass segment a little bit later in the show. But Joseph, uh, life and Star Wars adventures are here now. Where did Star Wars find you? Yeah, Star Wars found me uh, lots of places, which is really great. Um, I'm going to get uh, started on a blog, uh, hopefully weekly blog. That's the goal, a newsletter um, that should be available uh, if you're listening to this when it comes out on Tuesday. The first issue is coming out on Tuesday. That was kind of a life adventure where Star Wars always helps. Every year I've been writing down uh, not resolutions, but goals of like, here's a specific concrete thing. I did it or I didn't. And then I can mm -hmm. check the box. Uh, but mm -hmm. every year and I started doing this in, in uh, going into 2020, which is hard because I didn't do a lot of those things. <laughs> uh, but Rise of Skywalker had just come out. And I so love Luke's line about confronting fear is the destiny of a Jedi. So I have all these like, yes or no, I did them or I didn't. And then almost as a joke, I wrote, right, right. Confronting fear is the destiny of a Jedi. Because I feel like almost everything that I have a hard time doing, either it's something in the world that I can't control, or if it's something that I'm having a hard time with, it's probably fear. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I always feel like every time I get a little thing done, it's a bit of a Star Wars adventure. So there was the, the blog thing. And then a quick fun, just like Star Wars finds you. Uh, my wife and I have been watching some classic Doctor Who. There's an episode that I haven't seen since the 80s. It's a third Doctor John Pertwee episode called The Mutants. And uh, and right away, there's an actor like, ah, that actor looks really familiar, but so young, so naked faced. Ah, it's uh, Garrick Hogan. It's it's Biggs Darklighter. Uh, and like, oh, this is great. Watching, watching Biggs. Uh, and then there's like, who is this? bald man who's just a phenomenal actor and i feel like somehow i know them did i did i meet them in real life oh it's lobot that's john hollis oh. so i'm watching this doctor who that stars uh biggs and lobot and then later in the day i ended up at this comic book store i've never been to that happened to have a bunch of star wars action figures same day that i saw biggs and lobot and there's a there are biggs and lobot action figures and i just thought like isn't that like a great, not just how Star Wars finds you, but how we in our lives never know where we're going to end up. Like mm. those two British actors working for a paycheck, not stardom, just kind of doing their job and got, Hey, I got, I got, uh, you know, a couple episodes on Dr. Who mm. uh, over 40, you know, almost 50 years later. They're like, yeah, and they're little plastic versions of me <laughs> that people can find in, uh, you know, a shopping mall in Topanga Canyon. Like, yeah. they would have never thought that when they were recording that episode of Doctor Who. Absolutely insane. Yeah, John Hollis, you don't, uh, uh, the late great John Hollis, you don't see 
You don't see him in a lot of other things. or hear about him, right? You hear the other people sometimes because Star Wars is vast and, hey, William Hookins mm-hmm. is in Batman, blah, blah, blah. John Hollis, that's a good pull. That's a rare mm-hmm. card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, actually, you hear him. The Lobot speaks. Lobot speaks. <laughs> it's great. Wow. It's great. Yeah, because a lot of his other roles are small roles or cameos. He's Blofeld, uh, uncredited mm-hmm. Blofeld and Free Your Eyes Only. All sorts of great stuff. Anyway, that's uh, my bigs and Lobot adventures this week. That's right. That's great. Jen, uh, any luck finding rare action figures? No, no, no. I did get a a gift from my father-in-law. They gave me this uh, self-heating mug. It's Mm. it's called an Mm. ember mug, right? And I was Mm. like, I don't know. What's Mm. this going to be about? It's amazing. So this is a plug for Ember. It keeps your coffee warm. So you might see me drinking out of this. My husband's like, because he got one too. He's like, we need something to distinguish. Get a sticker on it. And I was like, (laughs) oh, I got stickers. And he's like, is it waterproof? I said, absolutely. So I pulled this, my Boba Fett. Oh, nice. Mm. camera. There we go. Yeah. It looks freaking awesome. And my husband was like, oh, wait, that looks really cool. Well, I want one. And I didn't really have that many left um, because Jabba didn't fit on the cup quite right. Get your own stickers. (laughs) Yeah. So it was either Han and Carbonite or Scout Mm. Trooper, and he chose a Scout Trooper. But Mm. mine's mine's way cooler. I mean, I'm- I'm literally shopping Ember mugs right now because I have someone in my house who needs something to keep her coffee warm all day. I was shocked. It's really effective. I was like, oh, what am I going to – I don't know if I'm going to do this. I like my Star Wars mugs, but Mm -hmm. I'm really impressed with this mug. It keeps my coffee quite warm. And uh, readers of High Republic will be thrilled because there's a popular uh, uh, char hound, uh, uh, Mm -hmm. a lovely doggy who breathes flames called Ember that (gasps) people love. Like a pet of some Jedi who are like, it's probably an attachment to have a char hound, but we love Ember. So that's an extra incentive for Star Wars fans. Love it. Or if you're a fan of Elemental, uh, the main character is Ember. (laughs) Oh, nice. All right. right. I can play too. There's a steakhouse in my hometown (laughs) called Ember, owned by a former high school uh, friend of mine. I mean, a high school graduate of mine. Uh, It's like we're on a road trip in the back of a station wagon in the 70s, just desperate to entertain ourselves. What's a word that means many things? Play, uh, my you, oh my gosh we used to play road bingo we'd have those little things and you just play road bingo uh, amazing amazing uh good yeah. stuff i just want to say one last thing i'm here as a representative of mm. all the girls and women who love star wars because yeah we uh, do exist oh throw yeah. that out there yeah that's yep. been yeah it's been quite a week for that conversation. Uh, maybe, Sorry. We'll, maybe we'll take the gloves off and dive in. No, I, it, it's it's uh, it's been. Yeah, I have some thoughts of those yeah. folks, but <laughs> I have a theory that they have never really loved Star Wars or women. But anyways, that's a different conversation. Want to be starting uh, something? Want to be starting something? <laughs> uh, uh, Ken, uh, how was your how was your yes. week, and uh, how much uh, sudden Michael Jackson was there in it? Uh, uh, a little bit, because I'm, I'm a DJ for that oldie station in Pennsylvania, and uh, Michael did pop up this week. And, and I'll be honest, sometimes I remove him, uh, uh, but I, I played one of this, one of his older tunes this week, so he did pop up. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, for me, less exciting in terms of Star Wars, but trying to apply Star Wars lessons, as we often do, and uh, attach them to real life. I've been uh, documenting here in Force Center my uh, return to loving football at a level I haven't mm. loved in years. A Miami Dolphin fan. Uh, it was a bad weekend for us, and it's been two or 
three out of the last four weekends have been bad for Dolphins. Uh, and I've had to, uh, you know, try to curb my uh, passion and, and anger and wanting to slide into the dark side like I used to do years ago as a sports fan. And I'm trying to just enjoy sports and, and leave it at the door. And it was always easy for me. I wasn't one of those demonstrative people uh, once I got past like high school and I realized that was stupid. But it was a frustrating, you know, you, you build up your hopes, Joseph, Jennifer, you build up your hopes. You, you sit down, you go get some food. You're like, yeah, it's five o'clock kickoff, 520 kickoff. Got some food. You're sitting down. You got your chihuahuas next to you. You're all excited. And then it just hope starts to fade. Uh, you feel like Poe Dameron in the, the Battle of Exegol. <laughs> you're just, you've lost all hope. Uh, except for you're waiting for Lando to show up. And so uh, they lost and, and they're in the playoffs. They got a game next week in the snow that I don't think is going to go well. So you just have to accept the reality right just face the fears confront your fears joseph of, of having a team that's mm -hmm. failing you and 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 when hope is dashed and how can you find new strands of hope and move forward i'm trying to apply jedi life to being a sports fan i think I that's great and i think yeah. I, I love the serial adventure uh cliffhanger that you set us up on for next week of how, it, <laughs> how not only how does it go for your dolphins in the snow which you know biologically <laughs> challenging uh, but I'm so fascinated to hear what your experience is going to be since you have, you have pre-accepted the loss. <laughs> yes. Yes. And it's like, is, is that, is that what, uh, you know, I, I, I believe Qui-Gon jumped up from his, his knees in Phantom Menace to, to, to quote unquote, win the fight for Anakin and, and that destiny. I don't think he, he accepted his loss there, but there's mm -mm. also a part of the energy of just like, whatever happens, happens. But this probably isn't going to go well. That 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 might be. I don't know. I'm not saying that was what Qui-Gon Qui was saying, but I'm trying to insert that into Qui-Gon to make me feel better. But we'll see. We'll see. There's always hope. <laughs> That'd be amazing if you could do like a, you know you know in The Simpsons they go into Homer's thoughts. If you could go into Qui-Gon's thoughts and he's like picturing like which grav ball team is going to win? <laughs> which grav ball? I just, we, I'll say this. My final thought: uh, the Dolphins have a lot of injuries, and so they got some players returning this week in the playoffs. So maybe that is. Uh, Lando showing up mm. saying there's more of us Poe there's more of us Poe we'll see it's most likely not but anyways Star Wars I believe it's the same muscle you don't have to like uh, sports and and uh, the nerd stuff you don't have to like just one or the other you can like them all but it's the same muscle I'm rooting for superheroes and uniforms that I'll never be so it's all there <laughs> <laughs> love it <laughs> so that's it but uh, from that we are going to dive right into our main topic here uh, Joseph you, you have this note I'm going to say it and then pitch it to you here but I love it it's rooting for for the new Republic. <laughs> and I just, it's, I think the lessons I've tried to learn in, in football this week, if sometimes it feels a, a little dark and there's not a lot of hope, but I still want to root for them. And that's where I'm at yep. as we go into this. Yep. I'll, I got some questions here. that are going to be coming up about how much you both root for the new Republic. I think I have a sense of where, where Ken is at, but I also just wanted to own our bias <laughs> or at yeah. least own my bias in writing these questions is that I, I love uh, seeing the New Republic, and even though that they are going to eventually uh, crumble and, and literally burn in The Force Awakens, that I still uh, enjoy rooting for them and wanting them to have victories. So uh, mm -hmm. with that in mind, just to give the overview of what we're really talking about here today, I uh, want to acknowledge that there were decades of New Republic storytelling in EU Legends uh, books and comics. So I think for a lot of people, fans of the EU Legends who lived through those books one after the other, the modern canon version of the New Republic are like, oh, okay, here's a different take on the story, but, but we've been there. Uh, but for those of us who didn't dive deep into EU Legends, this is this exciting time of finally seeing the New Republic in modern canon. 
Uh, we have had some books and comics about the early days of the New Republic in places like the Aftermath Trilogy and Alphabet Squadron Trilogy. Uh, we also got some tales of the waning days of the New Republic in books like uh, Bloodline by Claudia Gray. It's a big one. Uh, but now in more recent years, the New Republic is finally actually coming to our screens in this modern canon. Uh, we, of course, get to see its brief and fiery end in The Force Awakens. Um there's some bits of uh, New Republic life, although it's, I think, a little bit more focused on the Resistance in the animated show The Resistance. Uh, then in Mandalorian, we really start this New Republic era. We get snippets of prison ships and fighter pilots and debates and offices on Coruscant, all in The Mandalorian. And finally, finally, in Ahsoka, we get to see some of the divided perspectives within the New Republic between leaders like Chancellor Mothma and Senator Ziono. Boo! <laughs> I feel like Senator Ziono is like designed as a vaudeville character. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> to walk on stage and everybody go, boo! But maybe there's some people out there like, no, he's right. I love him. I have a tattoo of Senator Ziono. Who knows? We'll find out. Uh, so we'll get into some of the specifics from The Mandalorian and Ahsoka. Uh, but I want to start with just the big picture from our perspective, our totally biased uh, perspective. The three of us all grew up with the original trilogy, didn't dive that deep into EU uh, legends. So uh, the New Republic, result of the victory uh, that we've lived with for years in Return of the Jedi, now we're finally seeing the reality of that victory in live action. Jennifer, what is interesting or exciting about that to you after all of these years from your perspective now seeing the New Republic live action modern canon? I love it. I think that they're doing a really great job making it feel timely. Um, and I think it's, it's just like history will repeat itself and humans will be humans, especially when it comes to power, especially when it comes to ego. And we're seeing kind of these failures starting to repeat themselves specifically in uh, both the Mandalorian and Ahsoka. And and I, re I really like it. <laughs> There's something enjoyable about watching it, especially because we know how it ends, obviously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is it a thrill for you to, you know, is it something that you thought about a lot, like, after Return of the Jedi ended of what's that government going to be like? What's it going to be like for Leia to be a leader, not a, a rebel? Uh, were those kind of things that you fantasized about? <laughs> Fantasize might not be the right word, but you know what yeah, I mean. But yes, absolutely. Because it, as a kid, you're like, oh, the war was won. Everything's great. You know, Leia's going to train to become a Jedi and there's no more problems. They figured it out. And as we all know, <laughs> when we become young adults, it's like, oh, that is not reality. And so seeing that reflected on screen, I think, is incredibly important. Um, and it's is what I wanted to see. And especially with, with Bloodline, I, I remember reading Bloodline and just really the waning days as you're talking about. And that was really fascinating and kind mm -hmm. of getting into Leia's insight and the struggles that she was having. It's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, it is fascinating from the perspective of what kind of Star Wars storytelling that you like, because I certainly have talked to uh, fans who liked the original trilogy's lighter touch on politics. It's running in the mm -hmm. background, and the end of Return of the Jedi can be interpreted as a fairy tale, mm -hmm. and they all lived happily ever after. Right. Uh, but Lucas's interest, clearly from his notes, from the prologue of the first novelization... Uh, from the the prequel trilogy is like, no, nah, I like the messier reality. It, mm -hmm. There are fantasy elements, but I like the messier reality. And it's really fun and interesting to get into the messier reality uh, after 
after the party on Endor. Yes. Uh, Ken, how do you feel <laughs> about it after all these years of waiting from your perspective? After the party, the Re- Rebels After Endor story coming on Netflix, <laughs> seven part series. Love this. Uh, I'm with you, Jed. And, and uh, you know, I want to acknowledge uh, of the EU legend stuff that I did read back in the day, Air of the Empire and all the things about truces and courtships and new Jedi orders. Uh, I, I think the New Republic was messy enough, right? It wasn't like it was mm-hmm. uh, without problems. And I'm remembering some of the names and the senators and everything. So I, I think that was interesting then. But this has just been an absolute, like you said, Jed, a, a realistic double down on what would actually go on. I was trying to look it up and I apologize because sometimes YouTube is weird. There was a comment on our video and show from last week about the new villains in the Ray uh, Jedi Order movie that was a great comment someone with a with, with a Russian background talking about new governments in, in Russia and how mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily mm. get better what, what, you know and, and it's, it's good to change but you end up with what you got now with Putin I was going to try to bring that in. I wasn't going to read all of it but it, it's it's kind of fascinating to me with what's going on right now in the story of the new republic I was someone who understand I I'll say agree with the choice in Force Awakens to um for, dare I say, marketing purposes, say everything in this movie is practical. Uh, definitely no computers used in the making of this film. Don't worry. Uh, and uh, um, it's a little lighter on, on on the detail, granule look at the politics because that was one of the lingering things of, of the prequels. Whether you agree with that or not, that's what they did in 2015. And I, I think it was correct from a certain point of view but i love the stuff in the in the novelization i don't love the force awakens novelization but you get more detail on corsella and leia and leia being a warmonger and all that and corsella's got to make the 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 pitch there uh, on hosnian prime and I, I love all that and so to expand it and have it get messy to have it be about repeating cycles to have it be about people uh like senator giotto who maybe were on the fence and wanted to see all that stuff's pretty fascinating to me and we're getting a chance. We know the ending. We're going to discuss that, but we get a chance to build back to how did that happen? How was how did Leia have to grab some drab uniforms uh, and throw them on volunteers to do this fight one more time? And it's been exciting and intriguing to get to that. Yeah, uh, w- well said. Um, I, I yeah, I read uh, Heir to the Empire that that whole trilogy, and I enjoyed the New Republic in in the little bits and pieces that I've read and that I know. It's like yeah, the the New Republic was a government trying to figure things out. Yeah. Uh, but this is thrilling to me because it's on screen and it's this interesting storytelling where we know how it's going to end. So now we get to really examine what are the heroes trying to do right, what gets in their way, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But also just on the personal level for growing up with Return of the Jedi and sort of all of the iconography of Return of the Jedi that is the New Republic, the Mon Cala ships. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still watching those first scenes in Ahsoka uh, going – it's cool to see everybody wearing General Medine's outfit because, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, the standard New Republic outfit to me after years of playing with the General Medine action figure with his pointer is like that. They're all dressed like General Medine, uh, not like other characters weren't dressed that way. But just seeing that uh, that aesthetic, that iconography, that idea that I we left them off in Return of the Jedi, hopeful to start a new a new government or rather restore the old government. And there's something about watching it all in live action that almost feels like. Uh, catching up with someone that you haven't seen in like 30 years on mm-hmm. Facebook. Like it's been long enough. That's like, how did your life turn out? <laughs> I last saw you at the Ewok party. How did your life turn out? <laughs> and now we're getting this very complicated uh, answer of how the life of the new Republic uh, uh, turned out. Yeah. Um, you got, you were both saying, I think some great things about what's interesting about it on a, on a thematic level, besides the, the personal and the aesthetic and all that. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like the Mandoverse 
all the shows so far, uh, Mando, Boba Fett, Ahsoka, have been so clear on this theme of everybody, for good or bad, got used to the way things kind of ran during the Empire. People who benefited from it, people who were apathetic to it, um, Mm -hmm. even people who are used to fighting, that there's the heroes are all trying to move to the future and trying to kinder, gentler, compromise, empathy. Uh, and there are all of these forces that are like, what if we just go back to the way it was, a little bit more harsh, a little bit more violent? And I think that overriding theme, that overriding question makes, is what I'm really interested in in the New Republic, of how do our heroes try to push a new perspective versus what pulls them back? And it makes this very interesting question of the goal of the rebellion was to restore the Republic. And this Mm. question going forward after the sequel trilogy of, was that a part of the mistake? Was it like, we need to reimagine entirely what we're, what we're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, was it a mistake to restore the old Republic or should it have changed more? That's a great thread to maybe pull on a little bit more in the new films, you know. We'll talk about that when it comes, but that's that's a fascinating uh, look at that word yeah. restore, restore the restore the old republic. So uh, let's get into the whole the whole uh, rooting thing. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to see how much you two share my bias. So we know the new republic <laughs> is ultimately going to fail. Uh, it will provide peace and stability in the big picture for many years, uh, but eventually it is going to refuse to face the threat of the first order. That's pretty well laid out in some of the novelizations. Uh, and then get suddenly, you know, burned to ash. So knowing that the New Republic is ultimately going to fail, Ken, do you still find yourself rooting for the New Republic, wanting to see victories? And if so, why do you think you feel that way about the New Republic? I, I am absolutely rooting for the New Republic. That's probably why I'm here today. I, you know, I, I would tag out if this wasn't uh, an episode about rooting for them. Uh, I, I, I want them to have these victories, the, the big ones, not necessarily battles, but political victories. Uh, you know, rebuilding the systems, but like you just said, or are they restoring? Uh, And therefore, I find myself also disappointed with them, right? There's a lot of Mm -hmm. bits and pieces and and scenes and and plot lines in these shows we're about to talk about where you're kind of like, no, what are you doing? Aren't you learning the lessons? And that just to me shows that um, that disappointment shows that you... You're still absolutely here for them to figure it out and do it the best way possible going forward. So, yeah, I'm rooting. I've got my little New Republic sports uniform shirt on. Yeah. And now, so that makes a ton of sense. There's also this long history in Star Wars of knowing how it's going to turn out. And sometimes Mm -hmm. different fans go, why should I care about this? I know how it's going to turn out. Um, I think at different times people had that attitude toward the prequels or, hey, all of the Clone Wars animated series. Ken, having gone through that, do you apply some of those lessons of like, just because I know how this ends doesn't mean there isn't a lot of questions and intrigue and possibility along the way? I think there's great value in going back. This is why we, we love history or, or you, you should want to learn more about history because there's there's uh, different ways to analyze how we get there, uh, the good, the bad, and, and the ugly of it all. And I think it's a chance for Star Wars to do that. Yeah, we, we do know the end, and the end is quick, and it's 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 dark and it's and it's we we get ten seconds with him the Force Awakens uh, give or take a few minutes, um, so I understand that. But it's it's same with the Solo or a younger Lando. I'd still love a young Leia series uh, when she's thirteen or something like. I want to analyze who they are and how they got there. What is this system and what were the faults and how did they get there? I think there's great value in it. And I think you learn new things. And this is stories we're making up, but that's the thing going back to history. Yeah, 
We know who won those wars, but what got us there and how and how it almost couldn't, what mistakes could have been made, uh, what mistakes were made by the opposition. That's, that's fascinating stuff. It's valuable to go back to. Yeah, no, I love what you're saying about the, the morality tale of it, of what can we learn. But I think also it's just always good to remember, too, that, that creators have elbow room to tell a lot more story. Just yeah. because you know the end, that is not the entire story. The story of our lives isn't the last five days of our lives. The story of our lives is yeah. everything we accomplish, you know, mm-hmm. um, or experience. And I think just going back to the Clone Wars and, like, even that conversation that Filoni's been joking about a lot lately where Lucas says, eh, Anakin has a Padawan. And Filoni's a Star Wars fan goes, no, he doesn't. And George says, yes, he does. Like, <laughs> you think you know this story, but we're going to tell right. more. Did you know Obi-Wan? Almost left the the Jedi Order. Do you know all this about the Mandalorians? Like everything that I think a lot of fans cherish about the Clone Wars, mm. that level of just storytelling and new ideas and new characters and nuance is possible in the New Republic as well to me. Uh, uh, yeah, and, and for uh, Jen comes in, I, you mentioned the Obi-Wan one. Yeah, that, that revelation that he, he would have left for Satine. That was fantastic. It was important because then you realize, but he didn't. And now that weight, the weight of that story plot later on of him not leaving the order and him being the, the hermit in the, uh, in the desert and even that, what we know now about it. Yeah, that's the point, right? To, to learn it. And it helps uh, uh, helps highlight the, the, the final path, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So, Jennifer, where are you at? Are you rooting for the New Republic? Of course, I will always root for the democracy over a dictatorship, <laughs> right? I'm gonna, fight, I'm gonna fight for the people like who that. are who are fighting for the people. Leon, Mon Mothma, but I think that's why I, I always think about George Lucas and the many interviews that he's given, where he talks about what one through six were for him, which was mm-hmm. to show how does a democracy become a dictatorship. You know, how do bad people, why do they oftentimes think that they're actually doing good? You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, why are they, why are they uh, believing in that in themselves? So, um, and certainly as we know, one through six was very much about Vietnam, the Gulf War. George was not holding back from his critique Mm -hmm. and commentary on real world politics. So I like that the new Republic is kind of keeping that tradition. It's not, so heavy-handed, I feel. Uh, it, it's doing it in a very smart way, a very mm. deft way. Um, so much so that some people are kind of missing the point. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I do I do like these stories. I think that they're important to tell. And I think it's why mm-hmm. George felt it was important to tell. Because what lessons can kids learn, adults learn, by these morality tales, right? Um, mm-hmm. But like you're also saying, there's plenty of other stories that they can tell within that framework. So... Yeah, I'm always going to root for the New Republic. Always. Oh, that's I, I'm happy to hear it. I, I think. Uh, <laughs> Can you imagine I have if become, I was in the <laughs> Well, and I like that you. Uh, I yeah, I, I want to be clear. I wasn't asking. Like, are you rooting for the First Order? Do you think they're right? <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> are you pro democracy, Jennifer? Or do you think we should just burn it? Burn. It? Um, I, I'm big on this, just like my justice for the Jedi. I'm, I'm big on justice for the New Republic, which isn't that they are faultless. I think mm. that it is a picture of incredibly well-intentioned, brave, intelligent, empathetic people trying to do something incredibly difficult. And to mm-hmm. me, that's the storytelling. That's the lesson is that uh, even when people ha- have absolutely the right idea, the right intentions, it is difficult to navigate being a truly great force in the world, be fair to everyone while also being firm and moving forward and doing what is right without just trampling what other people need or want is 
an incredibly difficult process. And I think what we're finally seeing, we'll get into more of what's in, in uh, Ahsoka in the next question. Um, but I think for me, the New Republic is a story of we are trying to be this, this big tent that is there for everyone. Within that, we make compromises and some of the compromises start to undermine our integrity. Um, I, I love in Mandalorian that you can see the convert episode of the idea of an amnesty program is great. Somebody won that. Let's let people feel valuable and feel a part of things. The way the amnesty program is run is really dehumanizing, giving them numbers. In like in that, to me, I see like that's real world storytelling of sometimes you don't have a political win where you just get to do what a lot of people would agree is the right thing, it gets watered down. And I think if we can tell that story in a personal way, in a fun space fantasy way, it might help uh, help people look at difficult politics in the real world where, you know, when when is a time that you are agreeing with an issue in what somebody is trying to get done and then really putting, seeing how hard it is to get it done. I feel like that's the storytelling that's going on. Lucas, uh, you know, has talked about um, in various interviews about authoritarians can rise when the government isn't working well. And I think the picture that was in the prequels is repeating a little bit in the New Republic of stagnation. The failures that we've been seeing in the New Republic, sometimes it's Ziona, which we can talk about, but a lot of it is just bureaucracy of hmm. well-intentioned systems have been put in place. I rewatched this morning the the scene from The Mandalorian with Carson Teva asking uh, Tuttle, uh, Tim Meadows, to go help Navarro. in hmm. in the picture is like, Tuttle isn't a, you know, mustache twirling villain. He's just like, I'm in my little box. This is my little bureaucracy. I'm in requisitions. What do you require? I have a priority sheet. They're not a member world. I'm in my little box. I did my correct thing. That's like the, the slow incrustation of bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a part of the story that's being told. Not they're inherently bad, but like what systems within a well-intentioned system are dragging them down. Mm-hmm. I really love that you highlighted that because I think that's one of the things I'm enjoying and it's one of the things that I think it, it, it begs further analysis and conversation of, of even we'll talk more about Zioto like the, the, there could be a, a part of what he says where you're like you know he's not necessarily wrong if, if Harris off on some just you know uh, crazed adventure that's going to destroy property and people for the Republic maybe we should look at that we we are have the benefit of knowing she's telling the truth and and also he's played as as not quite mustache twirling right but he he's he's a problem but my point to the, the total scene was something I was going to reference later in the show too of just of just yeah that's the slip that's the fall and it's subtle and it's and it's and it's uh, you know, incremental and, and you can't really uh, track it easily versus uh, a, a black cape, red saber holding <laughs> villain, right? And and this is yeah. what's interesting, where it, it's it's you're you're able to if all things are equal and everyone both sides are coming to the table with with a, with a true spirit of compromise for the better of everyone around that that's how the system should work. It doesn't always uh, happen, obviously, but but that's kind of what is at play here, and and, and uh, that's why I think uh, it's intriguing to me. Yeah, and, and to be fair, you know, Kane is in that scene as an agent of, you know, uh, Gideon actively mm-hmm. manipulating it. Uh, so we've kind of got two storytelling yeah. threads, I think, of the New Republic's failure. One is just the the bureaucracy and mm-hmm. the compromise in the political work. And then there is the, you know, insidious, you know, yeah. w- what is the First Order Gideon Imperial Remnant all manipulating. So uh, to get into Ahsoka, uh, the show, uh, we get to clearly see that Mothma and Leia are concerned about Thrawn's return. We get to see them use their political acumen 
to uh, maneuver around in within the legitimacy of the system up to a point uh, to advocate uh, facing the threat of Thrawn. And then we see senators like Ziono and, and some others uh, that I didn't write down all their names, uh, <laughs> that their concerns, they think the concerns about imperial remnants are, are foolish, warmongering paranoia. Um, I want to talk about, about the Mothma and the lay of it. Uh, I'll put my cards on the table first that... Uh, it was one of the scenes I was most excited about in Ahsoka. It was one of the scenes where I was like, damn, I wish we were covering Ahsoka right now on Force Center because it was a scene that I'd been waiting for uh, for years. We've been seeing lots of people in The Mandalorian, in the Book of Boba Fett, have understandable doubts about the New Republic or, you know, uh, manipulative sort of attacks on the New Republic, like the client saying it's they, they don't really do anything. Um, we've seen some of their failings in episodes like The Convert. And I ha have kept thinking, and Ken and I talked about a lot of, uh, where's Mothman and Leia? And I think finally we're getting to see this uh, broader picture of the New Republic where there are multiple forces within it trying to come to a, a compromise. And it was so important for me to see my heroes, Mothman and Leia, trying hard to do the right thing. Uh, from from my perspective. So, uh, Ken, how did you feel about that scene? Uh, and just knowing that Mothman and Leia are there fighting the good fight, trying to do what, what I think we, the audience, are supposed to think is the right thing. What's important to you about seeing that and seeing the full friction in the new Republic leadership? I think the important thing is, oh, they're on the right side, right? That's how, that's how I felt. Oh, because there was a lot of those questions that you and I had off uh, air even during Mandalore season three of like Leia couldn't be happy with this if she found this mm -hmm. out like she would uh, want to want to do something about it and and to see them do it but do it in the system respect the system uh, respect the system they're trying to build or rebuild uh, depending on how you look at it I, I really liked kind of that hushed tone concern for Mothma not that she's trying to hide anything from Zeno but just like it's you know, he look on paper, he might have some points, but I'm asking you the truth here. I'm looking in your eyes. We both know what, what this could mean. We both went through it. He sat up in his tower here, didn't choose a side. He's he's uh, like Walter Frey in Game of Thrones, uh, late Walter Frey. <laughs> you show up on the on the side of the victory. But you and I know. And, and how then how can I help within this system? And I know Leia's I know Leia. I know she's up. I just I, I, I thought it was it was a little bit of justice for them. Not that there was anything that we should have been worried about. We know these characters. We trust them. We love them. But to actually mm -hmm. see it. That's what was exciting. Um, not and I don't want to say not to take the blame off of them, but just to be like, all right, that makes sense. It made sense that this is what's going on. Yeah, uh, Jennifer, how did you feel about uh, Mothma and Leia's role in the New Republic, seeing them in, in this context in Ahsoka to maybe balance some of the uh, negativity of the New Republic we've seen in other shows? Yeah, I, like Ken, I felt a sense of of relief to know that somebody's fighting the good fight, you know, I mean, but then you also see what they're up against. Mm -hmm. And like you guys were saying, that's why I thought Senator Siono, uh, played by who uh, Nelson Lee, really well done, because he he makes some interesting points. And he felt very much like a senator from our real world, who's just trying to be mm -hmm. pragmatic, right? And he's just trying to like, you with your ragtag rebellion, it's time to get serious. Okay, everyone, like this is not playtime. This is not adventure mode. Like this is this is real life. And I don't know about your space whales. And so <laughs> it almost it almost felt like a parent, like he's the parent and Hera is the child. And it's like, no, 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 you don't understand. There's like there's like a big monster that's coming. He's like, 
all right, all right, I don't have time for this. I got to make yeah. dinner. Like what, what, how can I help you? <laughs> like that just, if so, I, I really, I liked it because like you guys are saying, he's not some man in a mask with a cape, yeah. right? Yeah. This is, this is a real world villain who is a little bit more complicated. And I can see not myself per se, but I can see our world in that. And I can see a little bit of his point, but then I'm glad that Mon Mothma is, you know, trying to, to take a stand as best as she can. Mm-hmm. I love I love that you turn this into a horror film where Harry's like, Daddy, there's a monster man outside. No, there's not. No, there's not. And then <laughs> no, there's no. there is. Yeah. 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 I think, you know, the truth is Yona is up for a debate. Uh, I think uh Alex from Star Wars Explained has a good good video running down like the is there a possibility he's actually in league with someone, which would be mm. a, a, a complex uh bit of bit of storytelling. Um but I like what just taking what we we saw in the uh, Ahsoka series only the implication that you know he's we we know that he is from a wealthier planet a wealthier family and maybe he is not as hard hit uh, by the atrocities of the Empire nor is his family so it may be all kind of theoretical to him he didn't fight in the war and he's got like I just want to I want to be you know reelected. <laughs> mm-hmm. I want to be cutting ribbons on, you know, new galactic accomplishments of look what the mm-hmm. new Republic did. I did that for you. I'm Senator Ziono. Yay. That's where his mindset is at. Uh, and, and because there is that sort of like what, what's in this for me as a politician being a Senator, I want to wave away anything that's a distraction to what's going to make me look good. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so that, that's part of what I, what I read in it of like, this is if this was true it would really be a bump in what i want to do and what i want to get out of this so let's just get this out of the way mm-hmm. but then i think where you get into like real interesting political complexity is i, I my reading of senator ziono is that i want to boo at him i don't think he has good motivations um but he is he is pressing on an issue that mothma and leia and hera are all right to be concerned about of we we are. We want to disarm. We want to have just this small defense league. We don't mm-hmm. want to see every shadow as a threat and go pointing our guns at it. We want to lead with diplomacy, empathy, mm-hmm. kindness, compromise. Yeah, but sometimes we that that shadow is a real threat, and so we do have to point a gun at it. Mm-hmm. And I think our our heroes, Mothma, Leia, Hera the Jedi over time are always wrestling with when do I raise the saber and when don't I? Mm -hmm. And I think Ziono is manipulatively taking advantage of their goodwill to not be warmongers Mm -hmm. by saying you're warmongers. There's no threat you should ever be worried about. And, you know, you could dive deeper in it, but I love that Hera's perspective is if we nip this in the bud, there won't be a full out war. You're calling me a warmonger. And what I'm trying to do is Stop a war with minimal conflict. If mm-hmm. Thrawn's back, let's send a small squad and arrest him <laughs> before it becomes a full-scale war called mm-hmm. Dave Filoni's movie. Anyway. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right on that. I, I think there's, you, you look at him, uh, you know, where we know, what we know of his family and we know what, I'm just thinking of Kaz, where they're a little bit of a mm-hmm. domineering. You got to go this direction, and Kaz goes left. Goes left of what his dad wants. That kind of thing. Uh, it's been a while since I watched the Resistance, but also this is an advertisement for how I think how valuable I think Resistance is to the overall Star, Star Wars storytelling in this era, mm-hmm. uh, whether or not it was a super watched show or not. But but Ziono having a little bit of that privilege, a little bit of like 
it, it wasn't that he just simply didn't quote choose a side. I think he was he wasn't affected by either side, mm-hmm. right? So he's in that ivory tower, whether he's it's a literal ivory tower or not. <laughs> I think that's at play here. So there's there's it's easier to deny the threat. I think you're right. I think he's playing with the stuff, and I think that's what happens is 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 use the right buzzwords and and you raise the right questions around le- legitimate issues that need to be talked about, discussed, and and measured, and then and then you can you can hide either your true intentions or just muddy the waters. And I think that's what was fun and frustrated about the character, right? I, I, the, mm-hmm. you, you do want to boo him. You do want to boo him because we know our heroes and we know they're right. We have that benefit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even those in the room, Mothma, I don't think knows that Hera is necessarily right. That's why she wants to confirm it, that there, this is all in action. We're seeing it happen. This is again, the value of going back and, and analyzing the stories. Now we got there. Yeah. So yeah, uh, no, I think well said on, on, yeah. on Jono. And the final thing I'll say about about Mothma and Leia, I love Leia's intervention with 3PO is is very heroic and just Mm. hearing, you know, General or Senator Leia Organa, Organa, leader of, you know, the the, the, uh, Republic defense uh, is just that's that's exciting. Um, The defense council, that's what she's leader of. I, I think for me, the way I read Mothma is if it were up to her. And she had formed a new government where she had tons and tons of executive power. She'd just go like, yeah, here, I, I, I trust you or I'll ask mm-hmm. you like I did. You know, mm-hmm. this isn't just personal, right? This is a real threat. I look you in the eyes. I believe you. Mothma would just say go. But this is the complexity. Right. Mothma does not want to seize all that power into one person. She wants to compromise, mm-hmm. work together, put up with a Ziono for the benefit of, of creating a better society. And that's the really challenging part. We watch a show like this and we just want our hero to seize all this executive power and go, you're right, Hera, go kick ass. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but do, do we actually want an executive to have that much power in a real political mm-hmm. structure? And that's that's what Mothma is trying to navigate and why it's so heroic yeah. to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so with all this trying to avoid a war, uh, it's probably going to be one. It's probably going to be Dave Filoni's movie is what many fans are guessing. Our current <laughs> understanding is that Filoni's live action film will be a culmination of this new Republic era. It's the new Republic that's tying it all together. Uh, fans are currently assuming that it will be Thrawn versus the new Republic. Since we know Thrawn doesn't actually take down the new Republic. Uh, Ken, what do you think will be lost in that story of Thrawn versus the new Republic? How will the new Republic be changed? This is a great question because, and this is where you take in uh, uh, bloodlines and some of the stories we know, which, yeah, what bloodline is seven years before Force Awakens? Roughly six. Six? Yeah, six-ish, yeah. And all that stuff and Ransom, Casterphone, and all those characters. And mm. we, we, we know that you can't go back and rewrite those books to mention the Great Thrawn War, right? We're in this <laughs> exciting new era where we're kind of establishing. So how, how well they play in those boundaries and... You know, I know there's questions about how well Dave plays in those boundaries that books and comics put out in front of him. Um, I, I wonder what they'll lose. It, 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 maybe they'll gain too much hubris. Maybe they'll gain this, uh, you know, whatever. We won that one too. Uh, on to the next one. And, and, there, and even more complacency will set in. Because I just by – the, by the time we meet up with him again – and and everyone on and Chancellor Vilchim and everyone on on, on Ch- Hosnian Prime, there's just there's a lot of complacency, a lot of a lot of um, a, a lot of uh, you know we're good. Oh, also though, I'm thinking on the fly, but also in, in in calling Leia a warmonger, there could also be this a real actual loss, life, planets, uh, you know, a mm-hmm. uh, uh, people where there's a l- definitely a world weariness, a galaxy weariness to where they don't want to do this again. So twofold for mm-hmm. me. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about you, Jennifer? What do you think is going to be the the cost to the New Republic if it is drawn versus the New Republic in Filoni's film? I don't know. Um, I really loved that episode in The Mandalorian season three, episode three. It was one of my favorites. And actually, I had a moment where I was like, that episode, it just felt, it really stood out to me. And it was very mm-hmm. exciting because you really began to see the, I want to say, uh, not empire, the imperial remnants kind of still taking root, right? Like mm-hmm. still wanting to do what they want to accomplish. Using the, the New Republic, using the mind flayer on Dr. Pershing, which is like, oh, whoa, this is a very questionable, <laughs> questionable thing. So I think mm-hmm. seeing things mm-hmm. like that uh, continuing to unfold is really important. Hmm. Um, and I think that that could relate to Thrawn in how Thrawn could work with these people, right? It just hmm. I don't know, it makes it more connected and less as opposed to just being this is the Thrawn, you know, war, right? It's like <laughs> all these people are coming together for this for this cause. That's a that's a really great point that that Thrawn's war could be one of propaganda as well of mm-hmm. you know Thrawn yeah. Thrawn having the intelligence intelligence to say like. He, he knows setting up a government controlling everybody's heart. He probably knows like, yeah, Mothman and Leia are going to respond like this, but but there, there are people doing dubious things like claiming they can readjust the mind flare. What if I kind of expose those things? What if I whisper to the Imperial remnants who are, some of them are being treated really, really well, and some of them are being given numbers and feel dehumanized. Can I radicalize them with propaganda and yes. get the New Republic to attack itself from the inside? And also send a bunch of uh, Night Sister witches. <laughs> uh, yes. See our previous conversations about whether or not the Night Sisters are actually going to work with uh, Thrawn. But uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To attack them with propaganda and witches, you got them. Yes, because they set that. that up. At the beginning of that episode, we see Dr. Pershing, you know, being greeted by these wealthy people who are just mm-hmm. so clueless. And who, mm-hmm. you know, he's like, one guy's like, oh, Republic, I, had, I have rebels. I have no idea. I try to stay out of politics. Right. And mm-hmm. I think that there, that Thrawn could use that and say, these elites are out of touch with you mm-hmm. everyday people. And we see poor Dr. Pershing. He's really is, even though he's being welcomed, he's not being treated very well, obviously with a mind player by the end, but like he, he doesn't really have anybody who is willing to fight for him or help him or make him, make him feel good and cozy. Right. Yeah. I mean, again, Kane comes in and manipulates him, but he gets, in my opinion, trapped in the bureaucracy where some people know that he's talented and skilled. They're they're Mm -hmm. having him do this seminar in the galaxy's opera house. And on one hand, he's being treated as like, you're a genius. But then when he gets his day job, it's just, it's data entry. Yeah, and he's like, "This is a waste of me." And maybe yeah. if Kane hadn't manipulated him, maybe the system would have corrected over time. Maybe he would have filled out the right forms. They would have said, "Yep, we're we're going to bring you to this lab. You're going to work under this, you know, supervision, but we're going to, you know, you know, let you be you and and be a scientist. Be it. Maybe that would have happened eventually without Kane's manipulation. But how many little incidents like that are happening throughout the galaxy that are bureaucracy moving maybe in the correct direction, but moving slow enough that somebody like Thrawn can manipulate them. Because that's what I think happens in that episode is, is maybe bureaucracy is moving slowly in the right direction. The new Republic's moving slowly in the right direction, but Kane can manipulate it before Mm -hmm. it gets there. I I love what you're suggesting, Jen and and Joseph adding great points to it of, of, of Thrawn having the intelligence uh, to, to get others around him to be like, Oh, these elites. Anyway, give us more power to oppress you. Like, (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I was watching news clips this morning about that, and it wasn't mm-hmm. wrong. So, uh, and it, be, it wasn't his subtlety. No, <laughs> yeah. no, no. Yeah, no. I think for for I think we're uh, one of the things that I'm interested in is the uh, if there is a, a kind of a more full scale conflict and people suffer, worlds suffer. Um, the senators who had buried their who are burying their head in the sand in Ahsoka, who are not even willing to contemplate. Oh yeah, if Thrawn comes back, he could really unite people. Um, that th- there's a line in a, in Ahsoka I didn't write it down about the senator pushing on hair of like you know uh, I'm really paraphrasing here, but like why are you choosing to you know to escalate and mm. like it's not a choice. Thrawn's coming and he's going to attack us. I'm trying to get into a position of defense. If even those senators are like okay, Thrawn's causing revolutions on planets he's sending <laughs> force witches uh the, the threats here the threats real we rise up we have this battle we defeat thrawn but there are stakes and there are costs and the appetite in the galaxy would be like we are never going to listen to another whisper of the empire's back we beat him on endor then that was supposed to be the kind of final yeah. then we beat him on jakku then 10 years later thrawn comes out of the woodwork and we suffer and suffer and suffer and they're gone they're gone you know, fingers in the ears, never want to hear about the Empire again. That, to me, really creates the atmosphere that we see in the sequel era, where new... It's it, it's political death for a senator to agree with Leia that mm-hmm. they need to worry about the First Order. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, I love that. A little bit of that complacency setting in from the, we already did this. Those, ah, yeah, it's it, it's it's exciting. I, I, I don't think anyone outside of... Uh, us, I actually think there'd be a lot of people, but just give me a six-part series called the New Republic uh, Backroom Debate Sessions. Just a lot of senators <laughs> yes. talking. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. For yes. Filoni's film, it's also interesting to think, like, if, if it is indeed heir to the Empire Thrawn versus the New Republic, there's also a possibility of it becoming the version of Return of the Jedi that Larry Kasdan wanted. Mm. The audience is made to feel the cost of that conflict because maybe some of our characters actually <laughs> die. Yeah. I, I'm not super predicting that because that's not Ben uh, Floney's modus operandi. I mean, he killed Kanan. Fair enough. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But that that's just a, an interesting thing to think about if they defeat Thrawn, but the cost is huge mm-hmm. emotionally to the galaxy and to us as the audience. So we can kind of feel that like, oh, man, after you go through that, wouldn't you be in the head place to just say never again? That, I, I, I have to, for my own mental health, believe the Empire is gone. Mm. I can't go through that again. I'm just picturing a end of the year immemorial. Din Djarin, Grogu, Grief Card, oh, IG-11, <laughs> Carson <No. Pitt. laughs> no. IG-12 or whatever, uh, 13, whichever IG we're on by that point. Yeah. Right, yes. right. Uh, yeah. Anyway, we'll talk more about who might <laughs> who might feature in the in the second <laughs> half. Uh, we're going to close out the, the first half of our discussion here. Um, are there any other New Republic moments in Ahsoka, Ken, that you really enjoyed, you know, from the political meetings to fighter pilots, any other specific, like, New Republic moments that excited you to see in Ahsoka? Yeah, let's go a little Force Center old school, because 2019 is old school and 2020 is old school. Uh, Carson Teva, man, like, uh, that's why we love the guy, other than Paul Sung, Young Kim is just a wonderful uh, a person to have in the Star Wars galaxy, but just him having those moments of something's going on here. I, I, it's what we wanted. I loved it. And you mentioned the scene with Tuttle. I was going to highlight that of just, you know, of the frustration, the bureaucracy. Uh, you know, Tim Meadows, it's hard to root against Tim Meadows, but you know, he's not a 
evil person. He's like, I got forms, man. And you got an evil person in the room, like you said. That's an excellent point. Uh, manipulating it, of course. But yeah, that, the, that's that's the moment. The pilot stuff's awesome too. Um, that might also be because uh, it's it's a real world director showing up, and that's kind of fun. But I just I just loved. I, I I'm thinking back to the excitement of the first moment. Carson was like. <laughs> connect the dots and it was like oh this story is bigger not that i didn't love mando season one being kind of this lone wolf and cub off in the shadows of this this new galaxy being restored but i just love that yeah we got a bigger picture and and, and we're going to connect to it yeah no i agree there's some great stuff uh new republic stuff in mandalorian that i love um for me i love the 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 prison ship episode where you see that the New Republic really is a force. When those X-Wings mm-hmm. show up, it is a force. I love that the New Republic is like, yep, we need to have uh, prison ships, uh, but let's let's try to, you know, man them with these cool security droids. And uh, that, to me, is some some functional New Republic stuff that I love. I love uh, the on Adelphi, the, the X-Wing, Y-Wing, Pilot's Bar, just the aesthetic of the Pilot's Bar and knowing that they're hanging out there. And, and what's, it's so cool to see Zeb that we, we must... Uh, not forget what Zeb actually said of like, he's he's also saying they're stretched thin, which is the thing we haven't talked about as mm-hmm. much, but comes up again and again in Mandalorian. And, and I think sometimes, yeah. and Ahsoka whisks over our head, the idea of like, they mean well, they only have so many resources and mm-hmm. they're trying. That comes up in the Tuttle scene, that comes up with Zeb of like, it's been taking them to, you know, a long time to even respond to one of our hails. Because mm-hmm. they're so overwhelmed, so that that's some stuff I love in Mandalorian. Uh, in Ahsoka, there's a there's a moment um, where Hera has her first uh, conference with the New Republic, um, and th- one of the senators is pushing back on Hera, saying, "Well, we have Imperials, former Imperials, all throughout the government, and they've all taken an oath of loyalty to the New Republic." It's one Hera's good spicy longs where she says, uh, "Long live the Empire." Doesn't sound like the kind of loyalty <laughs> we're looking for. <laughs> mm-hmm. Again, mm-hmm. pressing that button on like an amazing and, in my opinion, correct move to say we're we're not just going to say if you ever touch the Empire, you're bad. You're on a prison planet. We're going to try to bring you in, but mm-hmm. a couple of those people are going to be problems, and you got to be honest about that too. Yeah. Uh, so those are some favorite moments for me in, in Ahsoka and in Mandalorian. Jennifer, how about for you? Do you have any just favorite little storytelling moments of seeing the New Republic in uh, Ahsoka or Mandalorian? With Carson Teva, it's a character that initially I was like, oh, no, he's going to be like this highway patrol guy, right? <laughs> uh, but he's <laughs> he really grown on me, and I, I I love it. Like you're saying, Ken, that he's just like, mm, something, something's going on. I don't know. Because he's kind of like, like the audience or uh, I, I love yeah, that. Yeah, and I, yeah. And I also enjoy just with a new Republic in Ahsoka specifically is that we are seeing the fuller picture um, mm-hmm. and that we are seeing that they they mean well, but the system is not working. And there are people that are rightfully saying, Hey, we need to, we need to see, be aware of what is going on. And there are imperial loyalists who are trying to, you know, have their agenda um, set out and nobody's listening to these people. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah, I like that. I think that that's really, it just gives a more complex picture of the new Republic as opposed Mm -hmm. to just kind of how it was painted perhaps in the Mandalorian. Yeah. A little bit, a little bit. 
Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett, for that matter, all, yes. all deal with with Outer Rim. And I like the idea mm-hmm. that Carson mm-hmm. Tava is like, no, hey, we're 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 reaching out. We're trying to be there. We have these outposts. We have it, it's scattered. We don't have a ton of people, but we have them out there. And Carson Tava is really like, <laughs> he's like, uh, you know, almost this like counselor at a school. Is like, I know all the kids' names. Yeah, I know why <laughs> that kid is misbehaving. Right. I know who that kid's best friend is. And then, you know, you go up the chain and like, you know, to the top of like a school board and mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. all shits on a map because there's mm-hmm. macro and there's micro. Mm-hmm. And Carson Tave is our, our micro perspective of like, I've seen it. I know the people. Mm-hmm. It's human and real to me. And I think that's an interesting story in politics as well. <laughs> like, in- <laughs> Sorry, yeah. the, the leader can't know every person. The, the, yeah. the school board president cannot know every kid's name. Yeah. The counselor at one school can. Yeah. Let's see. I, I, I want... Carson to be like, uh, oh, Din Djarin, they think he's a righteous dude. And just go from there. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and to, I want to be clear. I want to yeah, directly right. more answer your question about Soka too. I, I, I love uh, the, the inner world is a great way to look at it. And and I didn't, um, there was some things I didn't love about the the way some of the acting, writing and execution of that scene on the Corellia. Um, but taking that aside, uh, I, I loved how um, not just embedded Morgan Elizabeth's people were, but her company. And, and the need for this. Mm. And we need this stuff. And this is what's going on. It's why you couldn't just easily cast it aside uh, um, and, and and play that. It was other moments that we've already seen of of them, which is some of the stuff going on in Amanda uh, Season 3, right? Of just now nah, we're just mm-hmm. be- destroying some of the resources. So it's these two complicated paths. But I, I did love seeing that there as well. And, and I, you could also, Jen, do your thing of Carson – is the like the small town deputy driving around in a pickup truck with a one siren <laughs> on the top, and he's exactly. the one that almost discovers there's something going on in the house. Right, you know, knocks on the door. Right. Is everything okay here? And you know, there's chaos <laughs> behind the door. We've seen that in films, right. and he kind of represents it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we are going to take a quick break, but first, our recommendation for Audible, Ken. Hey, it is uh, perfect for today's discussion, which is why we have uh, selected it today. Uh, We are recommending you try out Bloodline by Claudia Gray. It's an old enough book now that maybe you might have missed it when it first came out. Here's your chance to go back in and do so on us. Download your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash force center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash force center for your free audiobook. Learn more about the napkin bombing. What happened to May Dean? We've got to figure that out. And it's all on us at audibletrial.com slash force center. All right, now a quick break and we'll be back here real soon if you're on the audio side, but if you're on the video side, we're still going to be here. Stick around for more force center. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. Welcome back to Four Setter episode three, no six thirty. Three six thirty. Series. We're having a lot of fun looking at the New Republic, rooting for them, finding uh, ways to 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 move them forward in a stronger fashion. Joseph, uh, take us to our next sections here. Yeah, we've been looking at sort of the what's come so far in in terms of New Republic storytelling, the the slow build, and and finally really seeing the conflicts at the very top of the New Republic in Ahsoka. Now we're going to be looking a little bit ahead. So at the end of Mandalorian season three, uh, Din asks Carson Teva to provide him with basically bounty hunter jobs that are moral, so he can make a good impression <laughs> on Grogu. Uh, and say like, I, I know, I know your government's not working too great, and there's a bunch of things you're concerned about that they aren't. Hey, you want to hire me to handle those? I'd really like that. Uh, to me, this potentially really sets up season four of The Mandalorian to be about Din being in kind of off-the-books Ranger of the New Republic, but Din going from bounty hunter, I'll take any job to, you know, keep my, my covert safe and all that, to I am basically working for the New Republic off-books. So what kind of New Republic stories would you, would you be hoping for in, in season four, Ken? 
to advance the new public story, but also to still tell Dan and Grogu's story. <laughs> this, I, as I'm th- I, I think there's a movie out right now or a movie coming out with Jason Statham called The Beekeeper. And I think I'm starting to realize it. It I might just be pitching that of of he's uh, he works in the shadows. He's violent. He's messy. He'll kill you because you're messing up the system and you're harming the innocent people. And I'm here. And now we just need Jeremy Irons to be like he's a beekeeper, part of a program. Um, that's what I would want. Uh, I, I, want I have Dan. not been watching uh, any yeah. broadcast well, cable television because I have not seen that. Me neither. You could I be making that now. up. I could, it sounds like I am. Jason Statham stars in The Beekeeper, right? Like it, it sounds like a Simpsons parody that Homer wants to get tickets to. Um, We've had the accountant. We've got The Beekeeper. What can <laughs> yeah. we do next? Oh what can we yeah. possibly do now? Absolutely. Check it out. It's real. I might just have to watch the movie now. But it seems, and I don't know the whole plot of the movie. Uh, don't don't hold, if you're a Beekeeper fan out there, uh, I apologize. But just that that thing of just like, it's, I, it's, it's not... I don't want to just phrase it as like justified killings because Den might not be killing him. I'd be bringing him into to justice. But this idea of, hey, I, I'm out here. We're trying to build some things. And as as we try to restore this, you're using this system to continue uh, with, with oppression or, or, or do so for your own power. Or you're just misusing it. I'm, I'm here uh, to hand to handle that. And in the process of handling that, uncovering some of the bigger pictures and tying it to films that might be coming or stories that we already Heard. I don't need Din suddenly to be like, ah, you know what? I'm in. I'm going to run for local uh, city council here. I, I like him where he is. Um, I don't see it as not get involved. I see it as as a compromise on the life he wants and the life maybe he needs to lead. So that's where I would go. He would be the galaxy's beekeeper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm really intrigued about the New Republic stories that could happen, but then also excited to see. Well, what does Din want? What does Din need? What does Grogu need? Maybe there's more mm-hmm. of a focus on on Grogu needing to confront more of his past. So, how could those two things uh, come together? And some some thoughts that come to mind is uh, we've had the storytelling of Grief Karga really doing a great job to try to make Navarro a place of peace and hospitality and working together and frustration with not trusting that the new Republic will be there for them. He called Carson Tava for help and Carson Tava got him help by going to Din. So in Grief's book is that, <laughs> you know, uh, so with, with uh, Din being on Navarro, a little bit of like, what will, would, would Navarro join the new Republic? Um, I can't remember how much they dealt with that possibility at the end of Mandalorian season three, but mm-hmm. that seems like an interesting thing to deal with. I think should Mandalore join the new republic is something that din might mm. find himself pulled into um yeah. but on the just like the uh adventure of the week din getting jobs for carson teva that seems like some great way to pull some strings of i don't know if we even need to see thrawn but we as the audience could know like oh yep that's that's a, a plot that thrawn is is beginning that hmm. Din is kind of unraveling and Din goes whatever through whatever emotional journey he needs to for his uh, adventure. But we, the audience, can see through Din's adventure, Thrawn beginning to create strongholds of support. Mm-hmm. I would love it if if Carson was like, there's some this this tiny village on this small planet needs needs help. Could you go help them? And it isn't like a night sister attack because they want a resource or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we could go back to some classic uh, Din has never read Wikipedia. <laughs> he doesn't know anything about the galaxy. <laughs> just come back to somebody like Boca. Hopefully, he has Bo-Katan on speed dial. This is his uh, Wikipedia. Like, I, I met these red robe warrior <laughs> women. They kicked my metal ass. What? And she's like, Yeah, those are night sisters. Let me explain. 
<laughs> I would really like that. You're saying there's witches in Star Wars? <laughs> yeah. So Jennifer, what kind of if Din is sort of a, a ranger of the New Republic, uh what would what kind of storytelling would you be excited about for season 4 of Mandalorian? Initially, when I was thinking about this, I actually wanted it to be more connected and less mm. serial of the week, but now you're presenting a mm. new case for me that I that I kind of I kind of like. It's almost mm. like creating like a puzzle. So each episode is kind of its own little piece of the puzzle. But we kind of start seeing it coming together, which would set us up for the movie, which is going to come. Is it going to come after the Mandalorian season four? Do we know that? Sure. We do not know. <laughs> we don't know, right? <laughs> we don't know. Okay. We don't know. Nothing. Right, right. Because I do know. wonder how much they want to set us up for that movie. Because it could just be like little like, you know, breadcrumbs or it could be like a real cliffhanger where – I got to go see this movie to see mm. really what's happening at the end of season four. Yeah. I mean that, I think that is like, gets my total like business side of things, you know, brain going of, uh, when is this movie going to come out? When can it come out? How right. long do they want to make people wait? You know, right. how much do, do they want to just say, screw it. This is a movie for people who've been watching these, all these TV shows or how much do they want to say, no, 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 you don't have to have seen those shows, mm-hmm. you know, I have a hard time staying focused on the creative because I get so focused on the business when we talk Mm -hmm. about like, but I I think for me, the most important thing is I really do think that Filoni and Favreau have been working together to, to put these big puzzle pieces in place for building the, the themes and the tensions and the big plot pieces. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, cause it, it, do we know if it's even going to be in the movie theaters? It could just be a Disney Plus movie, but that to me seems, I don't want to say a waste. Maybe they could do like a simultaneous release where it's in theaters for a limited time. But again, you have a Star Wars movie in the theaters, like you want to let that play out. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but the, this is all such like, you know, what will the industry be in <gasps> oh three gosh. or four years, right? Yeah, because, right. It, and I think the challenge for Star Wars, and, and we'll get back to the the creative. Sorry, rather than the I'm sorry. Okay, no, I'm no, I think it's. Mm-hmm. I I think this is a really legitimate conversation because I think you know for the escapism part of things, you just want to be invested in the story and what will it mean for Din and what will he learn about Thrawn's plot. But it, we live in a world where it's so easy to be distracted by all this stuff. But I think a challenge for Star Wars has always been to, in the movie theaters, is no reporter, no person will give them uh, the chance to have to set the terms of what they think is a success for a film. It's got to mm. be a blockbuster. Right, right. Like, you know, A New Hope to Revenge of the Sith to Force Awakens. It's got to blow the doors off the place or it's an utter failure. It's fascinating to think that in four years, could they set the conversation, set the terms of we're not trying to beat, you know, The Force Awakens box office. We're doing a limited two-weekend run for hardcore fans who want to see it in the movie theater. We're expecting to make this reasonable amount of millions of dollars, and then it's going to be on Disney+. Plus. That might be a legitimate business model by the time this movie actually comes out. Or yeah. Filoni might be in, in offices, you know, mm-hmm. uh, slamming his fists on desks now going, theatrical, <laughs> theatrical, put it in my contract. But I think that brings up the point about uh, Ahsoka and some of the things I was talking with some people who are not really, like they like Star Wars, but they're not hardcore fans. They're very casual viewers. And they were saying they were lost. They were like, I know that this is supposed to be significant. I don't know what that mural was. Like, what should I know that? Like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah right? So again- 
if you and every time we bring this up, we hear very strongly from people in in the comments that they themselves or have friends who had, on the other hand, absolutely no problem. Right. So right. We hear we hear strong opinions on both sides, which makes it extremely difficult for the companies to navigate because I think both are true. It's utterly subjective. Sorry so to interject there, Jennifer. No, no I, I yeah, think you're yeah. right. Ken, yeah. No, I, I had one of my good friends who's, uh, he and his son, Rebels is their favorite Star Wars program. Halfway through Ahsoka, he texts me, he goes, dude, I, this is, I just... This is boring me. I, it has, I, it's, I, don't, I don't want homework for Go Back to Rebels. And, it, and, he, and he goes, that's me and Jack's favorite show. And, and, mm. and, but, but to your point, Joseph, that's what's so difficult about it. Because you're right. Then someone will be like, I, my uncle's never seen Star Wars. And he's, he loved this. And that's just, yeah. that's, the, that's the, the balance that you have to try to find. Yeah, right. that's like just the sort of the the question hanging over this new republic movie, you know. Right. So in some in some ways it's like for me I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to go in the bubble. <laughs> I'm yeah. Just, yeah. I'm just going to say, "Hey, if you're in the bubble, if you've been paying attention, if you're following like, oh yeah, the uh there's all these threads of the new republic um uh, disarming their fleet and you can follow it from Carthon, where Miggs Mayfield is taking apart equipment to what yeah. Is, yeah. the scene in Ahsoka and like there's all this great little storytelling to follow if you just commit to I'm in the bubble and who cares right but as yeah. soon as you try to start to have <laughs> yeah. sort of empathy of like are, does everybody understand what's going on it becomes a battlefield because there are people over here going yeah I'm utterly lost this is garbage and people being like I've never seen a second of this and this is the best Star Wars ever why are you telling me I should be lost yeah yeah and so like, then does that make a blockbuster does that make the numbers that they want to make in theory right I don't mm, I think it could. I don't know. I think they're going to lean, lean heavily on the general side of it. But again, to the business, uh, yeah, Joseph, you're right. It, this is what happens, right? The business starts taking over and you spiral out of control. I, in four years, it's going to be Disney Plus on Apple TV presented by Amazon. Like, <laughs> we don't know what. Two, you can only years. watch on your Taco Bell app. Yeah. Oh, my God. So I have to go back to football. I have to sign up for Peacock <laughs> to watch one game this week. What? One game. I'm already paid for YouTube oh. TV Live. So this is oh this is the business aspect. I don't yeah. want to sign up for Peacock, but I got to, to watch my team lose. And that, that's part of the, the conversation. This is a, a, a beautiful place we've come to. Like, I have to sign up to Peacock to watch the Dolphins <laughs> lose in the snow. Like, <laughs> is that spy code? What are you talking about? Can you imagine saying that 30 years ago? It'd be like, yeah. what? Mm -hmm. What are you we, talking about? Uh, we all got very excited. Uh, Jennifer, did you have more thoughts about uh, Din, Din and Mandalorian season four's role in the New Republic story? No, I, but I, I do think of the business side a lot. I do. Because yeah. I want people to watch it and I want them to have a big budget and be able to tell the stories that they want to tell. And, mm -hmm. you know, so. Mm. Yeah, it's a fascinating time because I think a lot of Star Wars value is being an interconnected story. It always has been a generational mm -hmm. story. Even the first story, A New Hope, is referencing stories that we haven't heard or seen yeah. yet. Yeah. Uh, it, it is, it, it, as people have pointed out, it's baked into what Star Wars is. It's an interconnected, you know, bunch of myths. But right. we're in this moment where the industry is really questioning interconnected stories. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. fascinating, fascinating. Maybe, maybe that's what Din can be, a ranger of the New Republic. Uh, uh, he does, needs to do commercials. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay to have an interconnected story. Look at me, Din Djarin. I used to not understand any of this. Yeah. But if you ask yeah. Bo-Katan yeah. and Grief Karga, they'll tell you. They'll tell you galactic history. Yeah. Carson Tevish anyway. should do it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, knew, uh, I knew nothing. I didn't need to know that for my yeah, – it's like, okay, that doesn't affect me. Fly <laughs> low over the ocean? Got it. Who's Got parent? It. Uh, I don't care. I, I'll still fly <laughs> low over the ocean whether I know who Caleb Doom and Kanan uh, Jarrus are. 
Um, all right. Um, now, now we are going to get into some more storytelling that also gets into uh, to uh, business stuff. So looking more towards the future of New Republic storytelling, if Filoni's movie is indeed the big battle of the New Republic versus Thrawn, an heir to the Empire adaptation, uh, there is the big question of Leia, Luke, Han, Lando. Do we want them to appear? Do we want them to be central? Or since this film has also been described as a culmination of the Mandoverse, are we wanting and expecting a new roster of heroes? Is this the story of uh, Thrawn versus the New Republic? And the New Republic is being represented by Ezra, Hera, Din, Bo-Katan, Carson Teva, maybe Ahsoka and Sabine if they come back. Whoever the bleep Jude Law is in Skeleton Crew, is he one of the main stars of this? Ken, how do you feel about that uh, really big question of if it is an adaptation, is it this new era this new generation of heroes that's being developed and if so where does that leave our our ogs i i think i need is the word we don't love to use around here because it's very possessive but i think they need Mm -hmm. to be in the story i think they to what level to be determined because i i have no doubt this is going to be what you're talking about a new roster of stars and i think that's correct i think it should be because it, it 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 wouldn't make sense just to have the big four at the center of it, um, story-wise. We'll talk about the business and reality of it after, but story-wise, because the galaxy is just too big, and there's and there's and there's wonderful roster of players we now have to to pull from. So uh, a little column A, a little column B colliding. But uh, again, outside of the realities, I did love uh, like Ahsoka had, it, it, mentioning Senator Organa. Like that that, that mm-hmm. was that was not just a fun. Star Wars is referencing Star Wars moment. It was a reality. It was it was what would be happening. Uh, so because these characters are established and they're Hall of Fame characters for a reason. So yeah, I I, I, I need them to appear. Need yeah, Dangerous yeah. Word. I uh, I know I know. I think um, for <laughs> me, I, I do think it it makes sense that it is primarily a new generation of heroes because it is the yep. culmination of the the Mandoverse. I think there's a good possibility that. Ezra, that there's maybe like a new big three and, and maybe it's mm-hmm. Ezra, Hera, and Jude Law. Who knows? Um, but I, I <laughs> feeling like <laughs> named Jude Law um, <laughs> or Lude Jaw. <laughs> Lude Jaw. That's his name yes. in, in Skeleton Crew, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, hashtag Lude Jaw. <laughs> I think Ezra may be the lead because I think it's a mm. long game of where does Ezra need to be facing down the Sith was Luke's destiny um, because of the life that he led, because Luke is the son of Vader and the target of of the primary target of of the empire emperor, eventually uh, Ezra was as well. But I think there is some really interesting storytelling too, of like Ahsoka and Sabine being at peace with Thrawn got back, but Ezra got back and that's even more important. He's where he needs to be. Mm -hmm. Feel like there's some breadcrumbs to like, Ezra is the one fated to face Thrawn, mm. which would really position Ezra possibly as like the Luke Anakin Ray figure mm-hmm. of this Filoni film. Mm-hmm. Um, and then who knows with this massive cast of other characters of if it is, yeah. you know, if it's come, if you're telling the general public that it's the culmination of the Mandoverse, maybe need to feature, you know, the Mando. <laughs> featured <laughs> in. Uh, but to Ken's point, um, I think there's been this big discussion in Star Wars storytelling about um, 
not being willing to let go of the legacy characters or tapping into the legacy characters. Uh, when Luke appeared in Mandalorian season two, there were various articles criticizing uh, uh, Star Wars' inability to let go and move on. Hmm. I have always looked at it from the perspective of if you are in the bubble of Star Wars storytelling and you're enjoying this connected galaxy, there's this uh, sigh of, of enjoyment for me because that's who would answer Grogu's call in this timeline. If there's a political question, if an imperial remnant rises, who in the New Republic is going to be like, yeah, we got to deal with that? Mother bleeping Leia Organa is mm-hmm. going to be the one who answers that call. I'd love to see Han. I'd love to see Lando and Chewie and throw Nine Numb in there. Who cares? But <laughs> Leia, it, it makes sense for Leia to be involved. It isn't a clinging to nostalgia. It's a why wouldn't she be involved in this fight question hmm. Um, hmm. for me. And then Luke's a whole other thing because that gets into his story of the new Jedi Order. But Jen, I want to bring you in here. Uh, how do you feel about this balance between new characters uh, in Filoni's film versus where Leia would show up and all that kind of thing? Well, now I've changed my mind because I before I was like, no, I mean, I don't mind that they're that they're mentioned. I think that's important. But but you're right. Like, it makes sense that these characters would be heavily involved to not have them there would be a little bit strange. Right. Mm-hmm. I think it's OK mm-hmm. to put the focus. I love the idea of Ezra being the main focus of this of this movie. That would be really exciting. Um I do feel a sense of like, oh boy, it's going to get into Avengers territory, right? The Avengers assemble. You have all these incredible characters. And I mean, if you're a kid, you want to put them all on the board, right? But does it does it make sense story-wise? I mean, it kind of does. But then people are going to accuse Star Wars of, oh, just trying to copy Marvel, the success of that, right? Mm-hmm. But it it does make sense. I don't, I don't envy them. I don't know how they're going to do it. But you have to have all these characters, both new and legacy, on the board to tell a complete story, to set you up for mm-hmm. the next installment. Yeah. yeah. Like, and, like, and I, 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 don't, I don't need them on the poster, but I just right, No, want exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they just have to kind of just be yeah. just, just a little taste. Little, little tiny, little tiny Boba Fett right in the corner of the perhaps <laughs> overly busy poster. I that think as is, long as it is, it is structured – you know, in a way that there is kind of a big three to four, which is, I think, about what a, a film like this can manage, what Star Wars yeah. films have, have managed uh, yeah. to different people's opinion of varying level of successes. About, you know, three to four mainish characters and maybe Thrawn is one of them. Um, and then, yeah, and then it is going to I think it is going to be, well, hey, Zeb, you know, didn't pop in through a portal, <laughs> <laughs> but Zeb does show up on right. on your right, you know, uh, on mm-hmm. your left. Um yeah, mm-hmm. so that, that's fascinating to me to find that balance. I do want to take a moment to just talk about Luke specifically, because if it is the New Republic, this is the, the era of the New Republic. It's the New Republic story. It's can the New Republic stop Thrawn? Uh, characters like Ezra or even Din, uh, Hera, certainly, Bo-Katan, especially if Mandalore has joined the New Republic. They all really make sense. Luke is, it's the New Jedi Order, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and you're dealing with the... Um, the reality of people who have uh, grown up with this story, this heir to the Empire adaptation, with a lot of opinions about Luke's involvement. Mm. But we're, we're starting to tell this new story, and, and the New Republic and the New Jedi Order are connected in this new canon, but 
differently than they were in the in the EU. Ken, how would you feel if uh, if Luke is uh, not abstaining from the fight, but like made a really different choice of like the New Republic's got this, Ezra's got this. I'll run defense only missions. Do you want a hospital ship protected? Do you need a, you know a village evacuated? I will save people, but I will not like the Jedi of old be leading a battalion mm. in some fight against Thrawn. How would you feel if, if Luke's role was minimized because he made a really different choice? I think philosophically, I would love that, what you're talking about. This is someone who wants to build something new by learning from the mistakes of the past because you have to own that. You have to move from it. That would make a lot of sense. I think it, we'd have some repeats of past discourse of, nope, ignite the green, charge down the hill, uh, which is, makes me love what you're proposing even more. Well, not necessarily what you're proposing, but what you're saying. Uh, you didn't use the word need in front of that. Uh, but it would be, I have to be honest, it would be slightly frustrating, right? Like, it would be like, is mm-hmm. why are you reforming the Jedi Order? Again, I know, you don't want to take rank. You you don't want to be General Luke Skywalker anymore. You want to, but why, why do the Jedi exist? Why do you want them to exist and how what's their place in this timeline? And, and it might be what you're talking about, but that would seem uh, from a, 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 a overview point, almost stubborn. Like, but Luke's maybe got some of that in him as we say, see later on um, and maybe see in the past. So it's, it's intriguing. I'm going to take the realities of discourse and set it on a shelf and not, not even look at it. <laughs> it it's intriguing. Cause he's got, he's got to answer that. That's what he's doing. He's not just forming this for fun. He's forming the mm-hmm. Jedi Order, building it up because he 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 believes at this point in his life that they need to be there. Mm-hmm. And why, why, why? And if this breaks out, um, would he just be like, "They got it," or would he be like, "This is this is my place and this is my purpose in this fight"? That's the big why. I don't know yeah. yet. He, I mean, he he showed up and fought for Grogu. Conveniently, yep. that was yep. a, a bunch of uh, horrible, unstoppable death robots that <laughs> needed to be stopped anyway. I don't think yep. anybody's questioning the morality of him cutting down. Pretty cool. Pretty <laughs> yeah. cool. Yeah, it was cool. And also, like, totally, he's answering the call of help of a child and cutting yeah. through murder robots uh, of an Imperial remnant. It, mm-hmm, pr- mm-hmm. Pretty pretty morally uh, defensible as, as defense. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, getting mired in a war. And so my... My question then about this becomes, if you're trying to keep this a little bit cleaner, a little bit linear, just handling Luke is that's that's a story unto itself. What's what's Luke's role in the war against Thrawn is a story unto itself, not a quick subplot. Yeah. So how do you handle that? And and, you can't. and Luke, yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Unless Luke, it's in a book. Yeah, Luke in this era animated is so, series. Yeah. yeah, so undefined, right? We've heard so many stories. Chuck Windig mm-hmm. saying, well, "I had Luke stuff in aftermath. They had, I had to pull it out. They've intentionally oh. been like, we're not giving answers, and now I think we're careening towards there gotta be some answers." Oh, and, and you know, Filoni's thinking about this and been thinking about this for oh, yeah. years, right? And, and, yeah. and Filoni's been the one who, who's like, okay, Luke is not untouchable anymore. We'll tell his story. Here's here's him yes. building his Jedi school. Here's his philosophy, all that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. um, so to since we're already uh, courting controversy, we'll go even deeper. If Leia, Luke, Han, Lando, etc. Uh, returned in this uh, New Republic versus Thrawn uh, film, at any level, if they're the main, main characters, sorry, Ezra, <laughs> mm. uh, if they're the main characters, if they're in a quick cameo, uh, how are you both feeling about the the whole question of uh, digital magic 
versus recasting. Ken? Mm-hmm. Oh, I know, this, well, yeah. I, I, I know this could be a whole episode of our podcast too, but <laughs> yeah. just, I, I thought uh, you're going to put Jen on the hot seat. I'm, I've decided, I thought about this morning over coffee and an English muffin. Uh, I am on the side of it's time to recast. And that's not a, a repudiation oh. of digital. I've, I've, I thought there's been some successes in that. Uh, I think the, the second go around with Luke was great. As a Dial of Destiny fan, there's no part of me that is taken out of the movie uh, with Harrison Ford. That's just me. I know that's not a shared opinion, uh, uh, maybe worldwide. But I, uh, I really love that film, and I love the opening sequence with uh, Digi Indy. Um, but <laughs> I think you got some of the players in place. Who's been watching too much sports recently? I think you got you got the Aldens, you got the Donald Glovers, and you got some others you could put in there. I think it's time. I want new actors. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Jennifer, go for it. Wow. <laughs> what do you think? Oh I, I, I sense some disagreement. Planting your oh, flag. Okay. Oh, 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 um, oh sorry. And I want, yeah. I want, I, don't, I, I know she was conics. I want Billy Lord as Leia. Mm. I mean, yeah. 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 Oh, this really troubles my soul. It troubles my soul because I really like what they did with Luke in The Mandalorian with the deep fake tech. It got so good. Okay, okay. Fett, yeah. Yeah, right. Oh, Boba Fett. Yeah, thank you. But mm-hmm. by but by the time but if you look at the behind the scenes of that and you see the actor I can't remember his name who was portraying the physical of Luke there was Graham was- Hamilton in Book of Boba Fett yeah. thank you and Graham Hamilton I believe Max Lloyd in Mandalorian but Graham yeah. Hamilton in okay in yes the Book of Boba, Boba Fett. Fett that's what I'm thinking of thank you he was really really good and uh, I, I could see him recast but the problem is and and I I don't know I'm so conflicted because then when I watched Solo I totally believe him as Han Solo, Alden Ehrenreich. I thought he did mm-hmm. a phenomenal job of keeping some mannerisms but not making it an impression, which is so important. He was an actor. But yeah. I, Right, but then people get mad and they're like, "Well, you had this guy who's an impressionist who should have played Solo." <laughs> oh, it's like, God. "No." That doesn't mean that he's a good actor. It just means that he can mimic the voice and do the mannerisms, right? Mm -hmm. That's going to be a whole other layer that you're going to put on top of this that I don't think that we need to have that. I think we need to move away from it. You can use him in a hologram. You can Mm -hmm. use him in a a short scene. But I think you cannot have them as the main characters if you're going to do AI. And if you're going to recast, just just know that there's going to be a whole other discourse around, you know, that yeah. person. Look at Alden Ehrenreich nowadays. He's like, he's like not talking badly about Star Wars, but you know, I don't think he want to come back. Although maybe for the right money. Yeah. I mean, I guess the third option is have, uh, like they handled it in, in Ahsoka, have Luke and R2 deliver messages. Luke, R2, and Chewie can deliver messages. <laughs> in Lobot. They're all just, <laughs> they're all just like, uh, Han, Leia, and Lando, and Luke can't be here, but uh, we all have messages from them. Right, or their voice. Yeah, yeah, I think for me, it's it's a it's a long and fascinating conversation. I think the conversation around uh, uh, deep fakes and uh, AI, which is of course not exactly the same technology, it's this umbrella term Mm -hmm. that people are using that we could all use to define better to talk about specific things. Mm -hmm. But that conversation has shifted Mm -hmm. in in the last couple of years. I think for me, if if they were if it was real cameos of like everybody's here, here's a shot of Han, like fine, you know. Right. If it mm-hmm. is, you know, an Avengers portal moment, as much as uh, I am concerned about that, fine. Put you know, 
Billy D. Williams, bobbly digital head on, <laughs> on a double. Fine. Who cares? Uh, if there, if it really is cameos, if it is uh, s- significant scenes, I'm really at the point of recasting. Of wow, yeah, I love I love these I love these actors, but I also love these characters, right? And I think throughout the history of Star Wars, we have had you know recasts. Mm-hmm. Um, we we've crossed this Rubicon, and there hasn't been a big conversation about it because people aren't as emotionally invested, you know. Uh, Genevieve O'Reilly was young Mon Mothma. Yes. Until it uh, became time to cast her in Ahsoka. And that crossed a Rubicon of she's not young Mon Mothma. She's that actor from 1983 ain't doing it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Now she's just Mothma. Yeah. And it's not about timeline. It's just mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. age and pass away sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is our new Mon Mothma. And nobody lost their mind because there isn't, you know, people, Caroline... <laughs> Blackstone, Blackstone. truthers out there. I don't know. Uh, Whatever. Um, But uh, so I feel like that has been like for me, like I want to spend time with these characters Mm. throughout the storytelling of Star Wars. We have adaptations. We have adaptations from books, from comics, uh, from different styles of animation. If we want to treat these characters as characters, just recast them and have actors portray mm-hmm. them. Um, I, I thought I thought Luke was great in Book of Boba Fett, but it really works, I think, because of the calm Zen Jedi thing. Yeah, yeah. and right. also it works because Graham Hamilton was fantastic. Yeah, he and you was see great. the the photos of him without the minor changes to make him look more like Mark Hamill. Like mm-hmm. just for me, just just cast him just if cast it's a, it's a larger or substantive role. What if yeah. they like? What if they are? What if they announce? Here is our new cast, the new big three. Would that be? Would that blow everyone's minds? Here's our new Leia. Here's our new well, yeah. new old Han, and here is yeah, our, our new, new old Han. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, yeah. I think I, I think it would be you know a discourse exploder because I think everybody has a right to different opinions. Uh, you know, I'm putting in my vote for casting. I'm not saying that's a truth. Uh, mm-hmm. I think other people have different opinions. So you got that. And then it is also tied up with the, when is it time to move on? Right. Which, right. you know, this, this is one of those Star Wars doesn't exist in a vacuum. I think yeah. as we've been talking about the last couple episodes, there's been a, a swing towards uh, bringing back things from the past. And now I think there is a general swing in culture to, to, to say we've brought back everything we can. And that's mm-hmm. a touchy, touchy discourse. Mm-hmm. So it isn't just the kind of, in the Star Wars bubble, recast or digital, it's tied to this much larger cultural conversation. Mm-hmm. I think if there was an announcement of here's these three actors, what I would mostly see on my social media is people who aren't really in the Star Wars bubble just being like, for God's sake, move on from the big three. Yes, yes. Which mm-hmm. is a, a part of um, the the how are they going to fit into this movie or not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's it, it, it's the pressure that that uh, that film's going to be under or, or the continued storytelling in this era of just, you know, here you are. If they're not there for whatever reason, you're choosing to not have those characters or you don't want to because of the realities, what's the answer? I, you know, I recently, I don't think it's going to happen, but there were Kit Harrington had that Jon Snow post season eight Game of Thrones spinoff in the works. I was really mm. intrigued Ooh. by it. I was yeah. really intrigued by it. And there were some good theories around what could it be, but it's like, if the other cast was cast members, weren't going to come back for the roles. I understand some would want to, some wouldn't. All right, so you know, do we not mention uh, Sansa Stark? 
Sophie mm. Turner doesn't want to come back or do you recast it? But the character exists or died. You know, you'd have to answer it if the story's going to go mm-hmm. on in some way. And I think by by planting the flag here in this era, which I think was a good decision, uh, and now having Dave and, and, and John and, and the team lead it into this film, like those characters are there. And if the answer is a, a hologram from... 90-year-old Harrison Ford going, uh, I've had enough, I'm retired. That's the answer. <laughs> Just stand by it. Or if the answer is convincing Alden to come back or someone else to come right. back. And and even if he's, I'm retired, but like he, he, he's there. The character exists in mm-hmm. this timeline and you got to deal with it. I think Band-Aid off, it's time. I was someone who going, go, I, I, I was in the end very, I'm wearing my Rise of Skywalker. I, 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 I really do love what ended up happening with Leia. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. at the time, I think we discussed it here, uh, and Annette Benning or, or Meryl Streep taking over the role, Meryl Streep taking over the role for her, one of her good friends. I, I, I think it would have been, it would have been, uh, tough. There would have been discourse. It would have been people upset, would have been people overjoyed, but it, it would have been okay. Cause he had two of these wonderful actors it, taking on that character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think for me, uh, what ultimately matters is what is the story? And yes. and are these characters being honored? All of them, the new ones. Is Ezra being honored? Is Din yes. being honored? Is is what Luke's decisions compelling? Is Leia's trajectory, uh, you know, there? Is the you, do you see a moment of you know sadness and love between Han and Leia that they got to go back to being this this couple who lives through war? Are all those truths there emotionally? That's what's going to matter because if if you didn't do things because of the level of discourse, Star Wars should stop now. <laughs> you know and the the discourse fades and the artwork lives on Mm -hmm. so that's what i'm ultimately most curious about of of i know filoni wants to honor these characters both some of the new ones that he had a hand invented inventing or invented whole cloth and the ones that he's grown up loving and is going to want to do right by them but there's so many characters to do right by it makes it really intriguing yeah Mm -hmm. All right, we are just about wrapping up with our New Republic uh, conversation. And <laughs> since we opened the wound anyway, I'm just going to dig in deeper. What about Cara Dune? Speaking of the New Republic, <laughs> she did she did have kind of an important, I think, story within the New Republic era. And in some ways, the first vanguard of it, of somebody who, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think they super underlined it. But if you look at what's there in her story, somebody who comes from Alderaan, a planet of peace, but had the soul of a warrior who you have to imagine is out of place on Alderaan found her place in the violence of the rebellion then felt uh, at sea is is seen uh, her soul is seen by Carson Teva he deputizes her and then she goes off to to serve this larger role once again a part of something her, her story is kind of vital to a path that one could take through through the new republic uh, obviously the former actor uh, is not uh, coming back. Uh, so uh, Ken, where are you at? Are you like, that was nice. Cara Dune had a great story. Let's just let it be. Or are you like re- you, recast her or what? You can let, you can let it be. And I think, I think we'd be okay. Uh, I'm not putting the controversy uh, aside or the, or the, or the, the beliefs um, expressed by uh, Gina, but uh, the character in season one, I thought was, great character with a great important backstory thematically just uh, right in the center of that story and there was something left on the table I, season two obviously progressive 
character forward. I, I was there for it too. Uh, I, I don't mean to be mean, but I, the performance was was lacking. So now you have a, a golden opportunity, I think, to to change uh, uh, someone out. Um, I just, at the end of the day, as as powerful and and the, the, as powerful as she was in season one for me, because I'm not going to go back and change my my vote there. I I, I enjoyed enjoyed that character in season one. Uh, I, I also think you could move on without the character. Yeah, I, I think especially looking at the potential challenge in upcoming uh, New Republic storytelling of having a lot of characters that you don't necessarily need that one. I think if um, if there's a storyline for Din where seeing and interacting with Cara Dune is important, then yeah, sure, recast, why not? Yeah. Uh, Jennifer? I think of the Mariah Carey meme where they, they asked her about Jennifer Lopez and she was like, I don't know her. Like <laughs> I don't know Cara Dune. Um, I think that she. All right. Mariah fine. Carey in Star Wars. Good idea. <laughs> being left, being left where she was. And I mean, there was, there was a reason why she was uh, dubbed in her first movie. Remember yes, that? Yes. Remember yeah, that? Uh, Haywire. Yeah. Yes. 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 Haywire. Oh, Haywire. Right. That's it. There was, there was a reason. So just yeah. let, let, let that be. Let yeah, I, yeah, and, and I know it is always it's so hard because you know I, I try to think of the uh, the tattoo rule that we've joked about on Force Center of like no matter how minor of a Star Wars character, someone probably has a tattoo of them. And I know probably you know a lot of people saw themselves in Absolutely. Cara Dune, yeah. and it was one of the great things about her in the first uh, uh, season. Mm-hmm. Um, and, mm-hmm. and in the second season, yeah, I, 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 there were some ups ups and downs. Uh, so you know, for those people who are deeply attached to the character. I really empathize with like, is there something more to be done with the character in a recast or even a novel uh, kind of thing? Uh, but for, but the new Republic field seems so crowded. It feels like eh, yeah. maybe that's fine. Mm-hmm. That's maybe that's my good. take, but, but shout out to people who, uh, who, who really saw themselves in the character. I know how important that is. They did. They did. All right. We, we are going to wrap up here. Any other hopes or dreams for New Republic storytelling, Ken? I, I, I'd be okay with them really getting into the weeds. I made the joke earlier about, you know, six days in the Senate, a New Republic story or something like that. But uh, I've enjoyed what we've gotten so far. Um, Ahsoka being the deepest uh, to date. But I, go deeper into it, right? Just whatever mm-hmm. the story is. I, w- I want a 45-minute episode of senators debating what to do uh, of Billy Lord as Leia saying, this is what we got to do. Like, I, I, I'm, um, I, 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 that's what I would want. Details. You all work them out. You're, you're creatives in star Wars. I just want more. Don't shy away from it. Yeah. I, I'm of the same mindset. I think uh, Andor has been a great demonstration of how interesting, you know, quote unquote politics can be when you really tie them mm-hmm. to feeling a, a individual's need, community's need, uh, the the horror when uh, politics uh, become cruel. Yeah. Um, I think it would be great to really get into that depth to attach it to the personal. I really like the character of Carson Teva. I'd love to learn a little bit more about him. Like, what did he go through in the war? Yeah. Where is yep. he from? Why does this matter to him? Why can't he let specific things go? I mean, it's fine. There's only so much room in, in storytelling and, and it's all, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. criticizing that they haven't yet done that with him. But man, that'd be a great way to grow it. If like we, we root for him, we like him, we agree with him. Who is this this cool guy? Yeah. Go deeper. We got a television show to do it. Um, the other new Republic storytelling I'd like to to really dive in deep is we've had all this outer rim storytelling where we learn that the New Republic is trying and they'd love to help the outer rim, but they can't be everywhere. I would I don't care if it's a television show, a book, a movie. I would love a New Republic story where there's some mid rim price crisis. 
that they are handling the hell out of, that they're mm-hmm. being heroes. And you see, you really see and feel, you know, when they didn't answer Navarro's call, this is what they were doing. They were mm-hmm. handling these three crises that we feel in the mid rim or, or the inner rim. And it, it doesn't make it okay that they're not there for the outer rim, but it's a little bit of that justice for the new Republic. We see, we get to feel the truth that they're stretched instead of just hear it as a line of dialogue. Yeah. Mm. yeah Jennifer, we'll make, what are your hopes? Yeah. We'll make the ending all that much more like emotional. If we, if you, we really genuinely do root for the new Republic based on what we're seeing and the good that they're doing and, mm-hmm. and the help that they are giving, it's like, Oh, so then to see them fall is that much more devastating and entertaining to watch. Um, like I agree, Ken, I want to see more, more of these backroom discussions. And I think that's a testament to the great writing, the great acting that, 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 that it makes it so much fun. Let, show me the West wing of, of star Wars. Like I want to see all of that, um, which obviously we have the prequels, but that's a different type of thing. Um, I don't know. This is just a little bit more, a little bit more timely and, and current and, I like it. Yeah. And right now we've, we've seen it is um, we've seen the New Republic in those sort of uh, political scenes as a part of sprawling, uh, exciting space fantasy stories. And I think, you know, looking at Andor and being like, well, the meat of this episode is a, a tense ISB meeting where, you know, all of the machinations and mm-hmm. just knowing that we could that that level of storytelling is possible for the New Republic is really exciting. Exactly. All right. Uh, Ken. We're going to do our social media plugs, but we're also going to do a quick ask uh, here at the end of this particular episode. Yeah. Would you like to handle the ask or would you like me to? I'll start and then I'll pitch to you. How about that <laughs> team effort here and uh, Jen as well? Our current ask is to consider going over to Patreon, patreon.com slash force center. Uh, hey, you've heard us say that for years. Patreon has been very uh, valuable to the uh, continued existence of the show and it will continue to be as the podcast industry changes, ad revenue for that changes. This is a, 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 a you know, it's an it's an interesting time. We'll just say that. But over on Patreon, we're looking if uh, you would consider to help us get to 400 paid members. We're very close. Uh, Patreon has changed a little bit. And quite frankly, it can be confusing. There's non-paid supporters. There's people just hanging out in the lobby. We don't know why they're here at this hotel. Uh, and and then there's the the paid supporters, which is the lifeblood of this podcast. And Joseph, we're looking to get to 400. And if we do, again, we're very close. We've got a special thing we're going to do. That is right. So we, we're going this metric by a subscriber number, not any specific uh, financial number we're getting right. to, but just kind trying to have uh, more people join the Patreon. Uh, you can ask questions. You can be a part of our Discord. And if we get to those uh, 400 paid subscribers, uh, we are going to do a commentary of one of the Star Wars films. Uh, why are we being mysterious about which one? Uh, because we're going to let you, the, the patrons, decide. If we reach this goal, we'll say we're going to do a commentary and we're going to hold a vote for a what film you'd like to see us do a commentary about. Ken, back to you. Yes, indeed. And we'll do some fun stuff with that. And look, everything's on it. We've done Phantom Menace and Last Jedi. They're on our YouTube channel. But it's been a while. There's some new context and things to explore. So you uh, can help us uh, choose the film to do uh, for uh, you all there. All right. We're going to close out with our uh, where you can find us. 
Shout out to the end crew that stays to the end of the show. We're on Twitter and threads at Four Center Pod. We're on Instagram as well. Facebook page is Four Center Podcast. We are available in a lot of spots as a podcast. Just search. You'll find us. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, anything owned by Odyssey, uh, be careful. They're declaring bankruptcy as a, another digital uh, giant false. Uh, merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Four Center and patreon.com slash Four Center, as we said, is where you can support us. Uh, follow me at CadNapsock. Go to my website, CadNapsock.com for more. Or Jen? Oh, I like that. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, YouTube, at Jennifer Landa, TikTok, at Jennifer Landa, 1138. There you go. Simple, direct, but Joseph, take us home. Yeah, you can find me on all the social media, at Joseph Scrimshaw is my handle everywhere. But in particular, you can also subscribe to my new weekly newsletter if you want to do that. You can uh, find uh, tags all over social media, hopefully by then. I'll do that later this afternoon. Uh, but if you want to go directly, you can go to buttondown.email slash Finish Your Monsters. Finish Your Monsters is the name of the blog. That is it, Ken. That is it. All right. So for the New Republic, oh, and all those senators we're rooting for, we'll see you next time. This was Four Center. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.